is the Classic Metal Show right here on the ClassicMetalShow.com. And no, that wasn't classic metal. That was something even better. That was a, a half hour of just straight up great music. That was from the brand, not brand new, but the, um, the brand new reissue, I guess, of Genesis Revisited live at Royal Albert Hall. Um, of course, the name of that one, that number was Supper's Ready. And on the line right now to uh, serve us a little bit of uh, information about that song and this release and um, his musical adventures are the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer from Genesis himself, Mr. Steve Hackett. Steve, how are you, sir? Yeah, very well. Nice to talk to you, Chris. Excellent. Well, well, Steve, um, I played Supper's Ready, which I know is an extremely long number, and that's okay because it if if there's anything that's on Genesis Revisited live at Royal Albert Hall that I think is most representative, not only of the period of Genesis that you were in, but maybe of your whole entire career, it's that song with so many parts and, and changes and, you know, switches of directions throughout the song. It's just a, it's just a masterpiece. Don't you think? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny when we first recorded it, um, I thought we've really kind of stuck our neck out and I don't know whether people are going to go for it all those years ago. Uh, it was by no means certain, uh, but it became a, a favorite, perhaps the most favorite progressive track of all time and yeah. so um i'm very happy to um include it in the set uh, as often as as i can sometimes we have to retire it to do other albums and other stuff you know mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but it, it, it's hugely popular and um, it typifies genesis um at that particular time when we were very much an albums band and uh, peter gabriel of course was the lead singer mm-hmm. originally at that time and um um, a lot of people are, are more aware of the uh, of the era when it was Phil Collins, of course, sure. with, uh, you know, as, as as lead singer of Genesis. But Peter Gabriel was for many years, and um, that's what really launched his his career at first. So um, uh, without Pete, I wouldn't have joined the band. Uh, he was the guy who who phoned me up and auditioned me. So there we go, all those years ago. Sure, and 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 it's amazing because you know in, in Genesis folklore for. For those of us that remember way back then, and I'm 51, so I I I remember most of it. I won't say that I remember all of it, but I I remember a right. good part of it. It really seems like there there's one band called Genesis, but it almost feels like there's two bands called Genesis because there's that there's that era that you were in, you know, from the beginning until 77 or whatever that that really was album oriented progressive rock. And then there was, and then there were three on, which really went in that more pop era of the band. When you look at that, when you look going backwards and and just looking at it as a whole, as somebody that was there, do you feel like it's one, one band or do you feel like it's two? Do you look at the, you know, the, the pop era with all the hits and think that that was something that you helped create? Um, well, I guess in in a way, you know, without without that first era, you wouldn't have had the second era, which coincided with the rise of MTV and all the rest. But um, um, we didn't get a lot of radio support in the early days. Um, uh, we basically played a ton of gigs all over the place, 
and um, eventually we got ourselves a hit single in 1973. At the same time, John Lennon said that we were one of the bands that he was listening to at that time, and um, uh, we were still very much a young band struggling to get gigs, and that made a huge difference for us in the band ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, not that media was aware of that because you couldn't tweet that news. So um, <laughs> John Lennon giving an interview in New York in 1973 was never going to was never going to change the world for us right. at that point in time. But I was, uh, you know, hugely uh, grateful that he that he that he said that and gave us the time of day because <clears throat> obviously we'd all grown up as Beatles fans and. Um, those guys were, were incredibly important to us. Um, sure. Uh, every band really rode in on the coattails of what the Beatles had achieved, which was, uh, if you're talking about world-changing events, they managed to do it by, by inviting the whole world to be part mm-hmm. of, their, of their show, really. Once they had invited in the Indian musicians and they were working with orchestras, suddenly rock and rolls never never the same again, not, not in my book and the right. Genesis book and, and all those British bands at that time who were <clears throat> in and around London <clears throat> being influenced by that and, um, and knowing that the shackles were off. So uh, you could virtually do anything at that time. You could be any kind of, of band and you didn't have to limit yourself to the three-minute single right. um, anymore. And, uh, and albums were hugely... Uh, hugely popular again uh, due to uh, the influence of the Beatles I would say uh, from Revolver through to Sgt. Pepper and what followed um, it made albums perhaps more hip than singles for a short while sure. of course um, uh, but that was a kind of golden era of, uh, of albums and um, I will forever be influenced by that uh, to say that um, not just, not just rock and roll shoulders were, were broadened by that, but our thinking. And so um, it is possible to do all kinds of albums these days. Um, mm-hmm. You can do vocal albums, you can do instrumental albums, you can do things that are inspired by film soundtracks, by classical music, by jazz, by blues, pop, rock, you name it. And it's, it's possible to do it, and everyone's freed up to release their own their own albums. You've still got to go in search of your own audience, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, so obviously uh, that doesn't change. And the era of videos reigning supreme is no longer, no longer there. I, I think, you know, especially for the long term musician, you know, the, the loneliness of the, of the long term uh, albums maker, if you, if you know what I mean, sure. you, you, in a way you've got to, um, You've got to operate outside that, think outside the box, and mm-hmm. um, try to be true to yourself, I think, and, um, and hopefully come up with something that those fans are still going to love, that they can recognize something in it from those early roots, but without being perhaps tied down to them too much. Sure. Now, now, Steve, looking back at the, at the very, <laughs> excuse me, the very earliest points when you when you first started making music with Genesis, you know the the thing yep. the thing that I look at is there really wasn't a blueprint. Every other band after that has had success in the quote unquote progressive rock world had at least had you guys as a blueprint. And and I'm talking about some great bands, King Crimson, Rush, etc. 
they all yeah. could look back at what you did. You guys is, yeah. I, I, I know you have love for the Beatles, but at the same time, you couldn't have looked at the Beatles too much other than maybe a little of Sergeant Pepper's and said, okay, well, yeah. now we're going to stretch on. So when you guys were being creative and writing those early nursery crime or Foxtrot, when you were, when you were doing that, how did you even know that you had material that, that you thought could be crafted into songs or into, into musical movements? Well, I think, uh, all, all new music when you're constructing it, um, it's all a shot in the dark and, um, there's got to be a moment of risk. You, you, you take a, a leap of faith on <clears throat> something that may be a very slender, a sparse idea. And you hope that in doing that, something in spirit is going to meet you halfway with okay. it as it t starts to, to take shape. But it's got to be that shot in the dark, first of all. If you're going to do anything that's surprising or good or new... Of course, we, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. We we, we know that, that that you look back over the whole of music, and um, first of all, when you're a kid, you listen to what's contemporary, what you're growing up with. But then, if you're seriously interested in music, or if you're a filmmaker, you're going to look back. You're going to look back at the greats, and you're not going to bother when something was made. You you're just interested in is. Is, is this good? Is this, um, mm -hmm. you know, does this have power? Um, is this still relevant? So you look back at, at Ravel and Ravel's Bolero and the power of something like that, as I did when I was a 12-year-old when I first bought it. And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, I was listening to R&B and, 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 and tons of stuff. Um, but at the same time, uh, I discovered uh, Bach and Segovia um, practically, you know, maybe two years before Hendrix arrived on the scene for us in Britain. And uh, so it's it's a bit like uh, classical music was a guilty pleasure in a way. I never thought that it was going to affect rock music. I, I, I hoped that it would one day, and I hoped that these two separate schools would come together, Baroque and blues perhaps. And uh, and eventually they did. Um, and And that's, I think, what we have... Of, of, of progressive music, the, the, the two roots, I think, um, mm. that, that, that really feed this, this tree that we still call progressive. Sure, definitely. Now, now Steve, um, you, uh, of, of the members of Genesis, whether former or current, you are by far the most prolific as far as, as creating music. I mean, just, just looking at your career, you've been on, what, 50 or 60 releases, if not more. I mean, you've 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 done i believe 20 some records person you know solo releases outside of the 10 or so that you were with genesis you know and and of course there's gtr there's a bunch of you know other other projects that you've played on and yet you always come back to genesis you know to to your era of genesis um why is that is it do you feel almost like you're like, like you're the one that is obligated to keep that era of of the music alive. Well, <clears throat> with live shows, um, I've tended in recent years to do um, two halves. The first half is is solo stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the second half 
is Genesis stuff. Some of the first half, um, I think that I constructed with the Genesis guys um, in the first place. Like there might be moments on on the first solo thing I did um, in in 1975, uh, and it was. Another three-man team of Genesis that that, that put that together. Um, I think that I, I I always want to play to strengths and give audiences what they what they need most. And I know that um, in a way it's been a calling card again to to dust off those songs and take them out there and um, and honor that music, honor that era. Um, and try and do versions that are authentic, that people recognize, but at the same time, to change it to the point where it's recognizable, but I might add some extra instrumentation occasionally to add an orchestra. Um, I don't think it weakens it uh, to to do that, to have extra brass or or woodwind, or to change, like like Supper's Ready, I tend to play something like the guitar solo that was on on, on the original to play it out, but then extend it and go off and uh, on a take it to the mountains and allow it to be whatever it feels like it wants to be on the night. So the music's playing me. It's not it's not the other way around. I'm I'm part of it, and um, but I'm I'm letting it lead me, uh, sure. and 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 um, I feel I'm trying to keep the legacy alive of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. From that era, um, at least that's something that Tony Banks said to me. Um, he said, you, "You're keeping the legacy alive." That uh, I, I thought he would criticise me for, for for doing that, but but he didn't. Um, and um, uh, I think he's very proud of it. Although you know, the band, some of them distanced themselves from the early earlier era um, to fly the flag for the three man team, perhaps. But um, but I think it was. It was a team of writers. Mm-hmm. It was a team of people who were all very, very determined, um, who all went off and did other things, sometimes came back, sometimes not. Um, and uh, I think as a, as a team, you know, there was something in Time magazine when, uh, in, in the mid-'80s when I had um, a GTR and, um, with Steve Howe, and Peter Gabriel had um, a Sledgehammer, the, mm-hmm. the big hit, and Genesis had something, and Mike was having something with Mike and the Mechanics, and Time Magazine wrote something in the States, and it said that you know all these guys that were members of Genesis at one time um, are in the top twenty, you know, yeah. the Billboard top twenty, and um, and it was it, it was great that they noticed that um, that was the case. So I. I'm still very proud of it all. Um, sure. No, definitely. And, and on it goes. I don't think that I don't think uh, the music of Genesis from any era is likely to uh, to be forgotten because there are a number of people keeping it keeping it alive. Sure. No, definitely. Well, you're definitely keeping it alive with um, with Genesis Revisited live at Royal Albert Hall and um, looking at the package. The packaging itself. If you're a collector, I think you just have to have it. It's a it's a beautiful collection. It's it's one of the nicest repackaged things I think I've ever seen floated by. Were were you were you part of that piece of it as well as the you know the the uh, the art yeah, and stuff? The, the, well, 
Yeah, the, the, the idea really came from Inside Out, who uh, the, the album had already been released, and then they were saying, mm-hmm. you know, some of these live things you've done, it would be nice to do vinyls of them. Sure. Um, and the Royal Albert Hall show, of course, yes, it had guests. Um, and um, it, it was a memorable evening. Um, so it's it's now on vinyl, but you get a you get a CD, you get a CD within mm-hmm. within the package. Okay. Uh, and um, and so um, yeah, it, it was an extraordinary evening, uh, 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 and and it's it's it, it's great that it's out there again. It's it's um, been it been reformatted um, for people who like it. Uh, on CD, it's got the CD inside. For people who like it on vinyl, um, it's 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 now on vinyl, and um, uh, yeah, so um, uh, great, great that 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 they're giving it priority all over again. And it was sure. very much a Genesis show. Um, uh, lots of Genesis favourites on it. I I basically wanted to do a, um, a, a kind of flagship a British. Um, Mm-hmm. show with 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 the re, with the revisited team and um it went down amazingly well all over again absolutely now uh one of the people that appears on on um live at Royal Albert Hall is um the late John Wetton who I know you had a very yeah. long working history with um taught yeah. you know obviously it's sad that you know he passed away talk about your musical experiences with him cuz much like you storied career that stretched well past probably what most people knew him for. Well, I, you know what I think? I, I, I absolutely loved John. I, I adored him and, and I know I wasn't the only one. Um, he, um, I think he's still very much with us in spirit. Um, and, um, it was great that he was on that show and, and he, he would turn up and, and sing a couple of things at the drop of the hat on on pretty much any show anywhere and and uh, and I would do the same for him whether it was a record or something mm-hmm. and we so nearly formed a band um several times uh, um uh, but sadly it, it it was not to be but um there is footage for instance of um another late great pal uh um Chris Squire all right uh when we did a cruise to the edge we were all up on stage together playing for the one and only time, uh, that team mm-hmm. um, doing all along the Watchtower. So that's, you know, that was a kind of let's do an easy song that everyone knows. And um, it, it was really John who originally talked me into doing that with his band okay. when I first guested with him. But I, I, I met John so many years ago. Um, I'd just seen him with King Crimson right about the time when they'd done. Um, um, Lark's tongues in, in aspic, and there were a bunch of us who were friends, some Genesis guys and some Yes guys, and we all went along to see an out-of-town show of Crimson, and um, and then I, in those days, I, I you know I would party all night. I went off to a club in London, and who should walk through the door but the new singer of the new lineup, John Wetton. I said, Oh hi, I've just seen you on stage, and. Oh. Um, how great it was, and he said, "Oh, was it all right?" And I said, "Oh, it was more than all right." You know, it feels you know. I, I thought it was wonderful that he was in the band, and I felt that he was. Um, I, I felt that he was the right successor to, to Greg Lake at sure. that time. Um, um, there was something of, of of the heart and warmth of tone in in, in their voices, um, and um, 
I think that he'd grown up in pretty much in the same area as Robert Fripp, and um, um, they'd known each other, you know, before all of this. So I think it's all part of the Bournemouth scene, um, and um, Bournemouth, Poole, Dorset, all of that, you know, that's sort of British West Country um, uh, music scene. Uh, and uh, uh, John was really we all felt every time we saw him we were going to work with him you were seeing a friend first of all and the music sure. came second you know mm -hmm. as soon as he came through the door that wonderful smile it would light up everyone would just give him a hug how great to be together he used to light up the room every time he came in and you knew it was going to be right whatever we were going to do it was going to be music it was always going to be great it was always going to be lovely and I still adore him Mm -hmm. Definitely. Now, for you, Steve, what what's next? Uh, I mean, I doubt I doubt you're just going to sit around and not do more more music. Is there more music on the way? Yeah, um, I I've, I've been working on an album that is um, there are two albums basically. I'm, I'm working on a rock album. There's there's another live one due to come out in in in, in a few months okay. um, from the Selling England show that I did recently. Um, but then um, I'm, I've got a couple of tracks into a new rock album, but I'm doing an acoustic album at home, something that was designed to be um, something with orchestra. Um, but, you know, what we've been doing uh, 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 so far, it's basically been two people so far, and then we'll, we'll put it out to other people at, at, at some point once we get, you know, the lockdown sorted. And it sure. looks like... British scientists have developed something um, which is hot off the press. Uh, it's it's looking very hopeful at this point. Um, okay. It's just 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 watching the news tonight and seeing that that, that they've managed to um, reduce the amount of deaths um, okay. via via something that's hugely important for the world. Um, let's hope it's not a false dawn. Right. We hope that this is the solution for us all. But all the shows that I had to cancel or rather were cancelled on me, um, uh, the tickets will all be honoured for, for rescheduling. Okay. So we were halfway through a state's tour. Uh, we were halfway through that in sure. America, and we had to stop in, in, um, in Philadelphia, and we got the last flight back home. Um, and, um, and we've been in lockdown for months now, mm -hmm. but um, it's been a very productive time. I'm probably about two tracks off finishing oh, this great. particular instrumental album. And then I'll follow it hard on the heels with with another another rock one. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, excellent. Um, like to keep the factory fires burning. It's a good time <laughs> when you can't do gigs. It's a great time to record. Exactly. Well, uh, one one question doesn't have to do with you, other than I'm just curious of your opinion. Uh, I'm sure you've seen um, your your old friend Phil Collins out playing shows and just you know struggling to. Not not necessarily vocally struggling, but struggling almost sort of crippled in a way, having to sit in a chair because of all the wear and tear from playing and touring and you know life itself. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. does does that sadden you to see Phil out there and maybe make you think, hey, you've made enough money, why don't you retire? Well, um, the thing is, I I haven't actually seen in any of those shows because okay. I've been doing a punish a punishing um, uh, a touring schedule myself. Okay. And so um, I would sometimes find myself in the same 
town on 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 the same day, and he might be playing the night before, and I'd be playing the one after, like in Argentina mm-hmm. or something like Buenos Aires or or, or Rio. But um, that's that that's just the way it is. Um, I, I would love to see a show, and um, I think it's great. It's great that he's out there and and, and doing it, and he's not throwing in the towel. Um, and um, the power of the spirit has to be stronger than the limitations of the body. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, well. for now, uh, Steve, well, let's wrap it up with um, letting people know sure. once again that the um, the latest release, the reissue, is called Genesis Revisited, live at Royal Albert Hall. It is, if you like Genesis, it is a must-have, not, not a you-should-have. It's, it's something you should definitely pick up. Um, it's, it's a great reissue with vinyls and CDs and unbelievably nice packaging. And I'll tell you what, Steve, why don't you pick a, a track from it to, uh, wrap the interview up with and maybe tell us a quick story about it. Oh, sure. Indeed. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, there's loads of, of guests on it. Um, you mentioned, um, you mentioned John Wetton, um, mm-hmm. now I've got a feeling that he sang on a track called, um, I've got a feeling it was Afterglow that he did. I'm, I, I might get mixed up here no, without, he did, without he the did, track list. It, he did Firth of Fifth. He did Firth of Fifth. Okay, so Afterglow was, was, was mad. Okay, he said, yeah, I know that he's recorded Afterglow with Firth of Fifth. Well, why not have, have his version of Firth of Fifth? Why not have that? Does that sound good for you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's play it right now. Great. Check it out. It is Firth of Fifth. It is Steve Hackett right here on your classic metal show. <laughs> 